0: Hello and welcome to NF Teach. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. Really excited to bring you this episode with good friend of the podcast, Rob PT45. We're going to talk about. The latest news from NBA Top Shot, which which sort of um, sort of make made us reconsider the lottery laws and loot box laws episode we had previously in the year, where we discussed some of the limitations potentially Top Shot could face by trying to put moments of different rarities into the same pack. So we get into that. We talk about Top Shot in general, um, and all in all, a lot of good learning in this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Here we go with Rob PT45. Joining me on the Aspen NFT guest line is three-time guest of NFT ch- hollowed uh ground to be on, Rob PT45. Rob, thanks for joining me. How are you?
1: I'm great, Jeremy. Thanks for, for having me again. I, I think we need to call it the widen to me lumis hotline.
0: That's, I, that's right. That's, that's who that's... I call whenever something <laughs> of compelling legal ramification uh comes up in the NFT space and, and, you know, the topic of our conversation today is going to be focused on this latest top shot news. Uh, On January 30th, a blog was sent talking about a new pack format. And we had talked in a previous episode when we were discussing lottery laws, AKA loot box laws, that a conscious decision was likely made. We don't know exactly what went through the head of legal at Dapper, but was made to essentially, position top shot in a way where you could only get certain types of moments from certain packs. Ergo common packs would never provide a rare or a legendary moment, but legendary packs could have, would have one legendary moment and then, you know, tears underneath. So you can imagine when the news broke on the 30th of January, that there was going to be a Kevin Durant sanctioned uh, pack drop happening where you could get standard and elite pack types that based off your collector score would give you some chance at getting rare or legendary moments. Um, It was of interest to me, and it just made me feel like I needed to have you back on, Rob, to sort of talk through all of this. So can you maybe, for people who didn't listen to the first episode, sort of frame the conversation we had around how lottery laws work, and then we'll jump into what's happened since.
1: Yeah, no, that, I think that's a great place to start. Um, as always, I got to give my little disclaimer that uh, this isn't legal advice. I, I, I can't give specific information unless I'm act, actually representing a person or a company. But I think given this scenario, I think kind of outlining the framework, as Jeremy suggested, is going to be helpful. Um, Jeremy, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you remember what we talked about last time, the, the three core elements that make up what could be considered illegal gambling? If somebody's oh running
0: man, I didn't realize. I, I left education. I didn't think I'd be getting a pop quiz. Pop um, quiz, hotshot. God, I want to say opportunity was one of them, but I'm not sure. You're gonna have to re- we're gonna have to go through it again. Give me the yeah, first that, one, and then it may jog the next two.
1: Yeah, the first one is consideration. Something has to be something has to be paid. Um, the second one is for a chance at winning the third element, a, a prize of some sort that's worth, that's worth value. Um, I, I, I bring that up kind of starting there because I, I think a lot of people outside of the legal world, what they don't understand or what might frustrate people and, and generally frustrates first year law students, like, like I was when I was a 1L is that there, there isn't an answer, right? I mean, there there. they in most cases, there isn't some type of law that's out there that's directly on point where Jeremy can say, hey, Rob, tell me tell me this law. And I, I'm just the guy that has to go find it and say, here it is. It, the law is, is so nuanced and everything is it depends. When you're in law school, the answer to every question, it depends. It depends. So especially in, in a nascent industry like NFTs where we are now there, there, there aren't a lot of clear laws and there won't be until some of this stuff starts being regulated and making its way through the legal system for case law. So what you have to rely on are analogs to other things, established laws in other areas that feel close. And this is why in the last call, we talked about baseball cards and basketball cards and football cards, because I think with Top Shot, that's the easiest analog to get our head around is, you know, we're just collecting cards in a digital space. Um, and then the, the reason, you know, you kind of started this all off talking about lottery laws, a.k.a. loot box laws, I think that's the other analog we have is loot boxes in, in video games. For those who don't know, a loot box is something that you can buy in a video game. Um, generally think of something like Fortnite or um, any type of game where you can buy something that won't necessarily give you a competitive advantage, but will give you like a skin or a, a, to make your character look cooler or your weapon. What- so yeah, so there's uh, there's two separate analogs when we're looking at top shot to try to figure out what law might be applied by a court if 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 any case was brought bef- brought before a court. Baseball cards where you've got the collectible packs that are opened up and you get cards inside and the others are loot box laws like Jeremy mentioned at the beginning of the the podcast, lottery laws aka loot box laws. Loot box laws have uh, come up a lot in kind of public discourse because of games like fortnite or uh, minecraft roblox other type games where you can buy um, skins or uh, different paints to make your gun look cool in the game and basically you buy a box which is like a pack that's randomized with stuff inside and you open it up and you you make it something really rare really cool or you make it something that you already have or that you didn't want so those are kind of the the two frameworks we can look at and then try to apply. To, to Top Shot, to, to kind of get where we are with the law. That's kind of the refresh of what we talked about in our in our first, uh, other than I don't think we focused too heavily on lottery laws. We spoke a lot about the, I mean, about uh, loot box laws. We, we talked a lot about the physical collectible space, but not so much about loot box. And I think it applies more now uh, with this latest yeah. change.
0: And, and I mean, to that point, right? Like it, it's, it's the reason why when I got my first NFL all day pack and I got three Jared Cooks in the same pack, I'm going on one hand, like, uh, why? And on the other other hand, like it's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess when when you're dealing with sort of a, uh, a scenario where things are randomized and you can get it. But with this top shot announcement that when one of the things that we described before was why it was gated at common and at rare and at legendary and and part of the the it and if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, was that you you were essentially, making people feel compelled that they could win something of significant value by participating in the pack purchase process. Did I get that correct?
1: Yeah. It, 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 again, we go back to those kind of three main elements and a company who's being alleged to be operating gambling or a lottery is going to want to take one of those and say, no, one of those elements doesn't apply. You don't need to buy something here because no we have an alternative method of entry that's yeah, right. That type of stuff. If they're attacking the chance element, they're saying, you don't really have a chance to get a legendary or a chance to get a rare. You're going to get a common pack. We, we've eliminated the chase element. This isn't a lottery. That That is kind of the the legal mindset. So at the time when Dapper initially decided to do this, and I have no idea, as we've talked about before, I, I have no insight into Dapper's legal or regulatory team, but they might have either gotten a very conservative legal opinion from external counsel. They may have had an internal attorney that that felt that the conservative route was the way to go. But I, like you, noticed with UFC strike and NFL all day that they started including this. I was like, huh. That's interesting. I, I wonder if they they got a different opinion, or if somebody in house just changed their opinion on it. And if, if you'd like, Jeremy, I, mean, I can kind of explain kind of the headwinds in, in both yeah, of those. Yeah, that's situations a great place to go. The cards. Okay. Yeah, so with the- I, I, I won't go through it all because I did a lot of the card stuff in our last podcast. But essentially in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of the baseball card companies were challenged in class action lawsuits that um, by inserting chase cards, cards that are autographed or cards that have um, pieces of jersey in them, by inserting those into packs, they were operating gambling because people would buy a pack with the chance to get one of these really awesome cards. And that really awesome card was a prize that was worth something and they could sell it and they had to bring these challenges under rico because the the racketeering statutes have have a gambling provision there's this thing in law, which we could have a whole uh, other podcast on, but there has to be a private right of action for you to sue. And in the way the gambling laws are written, it's like the state can fine you or shut your business down if you're operating gambling. But it doesn't allow the common person to come down the road and say, hey, that's a gambling front. I'm going to prosecute them. I'm going to sue them. So they had to come up with some hook to sue. And the hook that they sued under the class action was RICO. And the court didn't really decide whether the baseball chase cards were gambling or not because they dismissed the case saying that these people don't have standing to bring the case under the RICO statute. So we never really got a good answer. Now, there's there's very good language in the case law. There was a number of a case against Fleer, a case against Upper Deck, a case against Wizards of the Coast. And there's language that seemed to indicate that they thought it was gambling, but just that that people didn't have a right to sue, so it got kicked out of court. So, so, so to a certain let's degree, let's there for a
0: second. So, just to to break yeah. that down. So, essentially, there's some verbiage in the case law that potentially implies that if if someone who was entitled to sue would have sued, it would have been found as gambling. However, the people who brought this clash action together were ruled by the courts as not being entitled to to make a case to judge, uh, against these. These baseball card companies to begin with. Yeah. 100%. You
1: got it. Yeah. 100%.
0: And, you know, the, the, I guess the
1: reasoning behind that would be the the feeling of the courts is if this is gambling, the state should take care of it. The regulatory body should take care of it. They should shut these businesses down, blah, 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 or they should write legislation that better clarifies whether this activity is gambling. And as we know, there's still chase cards and upper deck cards and flair. So nothing's happened to that degree. And we don't have any real clear case law since the early 2000s telling us otherwise. So what Dapper has done now, at least if you're using baseball cards as an analog, if they've entered that realm, they've, they've started putting chase cards that into these packs which starts to make it feel a little more like a gamble and they've also done something which all the card manufacturers have done which is put the percentage chance you have of getting one of these chase cards they put it on all the wrappers in the physical card space now dapper if you noticed in the blog at the bottom it shows you the percentages that you get of each one again these are the types can, of can we things talk about that why is, is
0: it is it that you're not you know it's not possible that you would get like or very likely that you would get five legendary moments in this pack so you can't then have some legal standing to say I thought I was going to get a legendary is that like sort of the basic premise for putting the percentages in there.
1: Yeah, and I think the percentages isn't so much a kind of an argument or a hedge against it being a lottery. Putting those percentages is more about not being found to to be committing unfair and deceptive practices as a merchant, as a Yeah, as a you're not manipulating
0: or f- getting people to FOMO in with an unrealistic belief of what could happen as a result.
1: Got Bingo. it. Bingo. Yeah. So I I think if if we use the baseball physical basketball collectible cards as an analog, I think Dapper at this point is now in the same position as baseball card manufacturers are. The other analog we talked about is loot boxes. Now, loot boxes, we can see the similarities there because now we're in a fully digital world, right? In in those, in those loot box examples, um, you're, you're opening skins and everything else. You don't have that physical baseball card to touch. So we start to feel, okay, this feels like Top Shot too, because we're, we're in the all digital world. NFTs are not tangible, as, as all of the right-click save people will tell us. Um, so loot boxes have become very controversial because parents feel that it is targeting some parents feel that it's psychologically targeting their children kind of uh, uses psychological predispositions to gambling. And and so it's, it's, it's been in the news a lot and the U S doesn't have any firm laws against it. Other countries do in, in Belgium, for example, they've completely banned uh, loot boxes unless you are registered as a gambling company. And then they've issued no uh, licenses to gaming companies as, as gambling organizations. So what you have in Belgium is kind of, they're completely shutting out, a certain market of games um that, that rely on these kind of microtransactions and loot box to even fund the, the development of the games. The US there's no such laws. So in, in the last few years there's been a few court cases that have trickled up. And what's interesting is what those court cases found is you've got the first, you've got the first element. You are buying something, you're buying the loot pack. For Dapper we're buying a pack. You've got the chance element, in that loot box you might get something really cool, something that everybody wants, or you might get three the top side, you might get Christiosa. Right. <laughs> exactly right. And um, the the question in the loot box thing kind of falls on that third element, whether you're getting something of real world value. And what the courts have found is that because in these games like Fortnite and, and um, others like it, not only is there... N- is the company not providing a secondary marketplace where these things can be sold? It's against their terms of service to sell them for real world currency. And now you see the problem with TopShot <laughs> because not only does TopShot encourage, they have their own marketplace. So they're not. Th- that's where the kind of analog breaks down because at least in the, in the limited case law we have in the loot box realm, uh, it, it looks like the saving grace is that they weren't actively encouraging people to sell these things for real world money. Top Shot, just the opposite. We have a marketplace. We know things are getting sold. We know our product has real world value. So again, that, that's why I think it's a closer analog to the physical card space um, in that they seem to be in the same realm as as those uh, physical card manufacturers, but it feels more digital, it feels more loot boxy. And in those situations, uh, you're dealing with the third So, so
0: potentially. When we think about what changed, there's another thing I want to bring up that I noticed and I flagged to you maybe a couple months ago, which was all of a sudden it was being framed as a moment collectible with a little trademark symbol next to it. I, I noticed that in the way that Top Shot was describing the the digital property that you would get in a pack. And I noticed it immediately because it came very shortly after our episode that we had recorded the last time talking about lottery laws and loot box laws. And I just noticed, like, is it so it's not positioned as a security? Are they trying to make a clear distinction? What do you think, like, explicitly framing it as a collectible does for, uh, potentially does, for a company like Dapper? Like, why was that explicit change made to how the, the moment was framed?
1: I think you nailed it in your question. I think it has less to do with kind of what we've been discussing. It has less to do with the lottery laws, loot box stuff, and more to do with what is an NFT from a regulatory governmental perspective? And, you know, I'm big on this, Jeremy, is kind of using the proper vernacular. Let's make sure we are talking about these correctly. I, I wrote an, an article a few months ago about the native OpenSea, and everybody was calling it insider trading. And I was just saying, what it did was wrong. It was fraud. But we've got to be careful using terms like insider trading, because if we're saying it's insider trading, we're we're admitting that we think these items are securities. And I don't think we all agree that they are securities. We don't want, so yeah. let's stop using yeah. the... <laughs> right. Let's not use the language of the SEC because we're just sending out a big, you know, back signal. Come regulate us because now we're dealing in the insider trading realm. So, stuff like that. I mean, we have to be very careful with the vernacular. And I think that's what Dapper's doing here. Let's control the conversation. These aren't stocks. These aren't securities. They're not even commodities. They're collectibles. We are in the world of fun co pops, we're in the world of physical cards, Starting we're in the lineup. world of collectibles. Exactly, and I think that's why the change is made. I think it's a smart one, um, but again, it it all gets back to this idea of the industry is so new, and these these legal topics and issues are so 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 nascent that. Why not try to steer the steer steer it the way we want it to go by by properly naming things where we think it's fit? Now the court could come along and say no, this absolutely isn't a collectible. I don't care what you call it; it's it's this or this or this.
0: But let's not give it well, up. Well, and, and it <laughs> also use. made me wonder if the rakeback had some if there was some sort of potential legal component to it where the rakeback was being blocked because it, and they needed that distinction to say. This is a collectible. Ergo, we can somehow give people some of their marketplace fees back. I don't know. I uh, I call I like the Dapper stimulus is the the, the better way to to frame what that was. Um, but I I mean you've sort of keyed me in to notice these little language changes of of like of making me wonder why they happened. So when I saw this blog post, I, I immediately wondered what had changed, and I think it's interesting that it could just be as simple as the external counsel that gave their original opinion on this, when it was brought up, maybe it was brought up six months ago, a year ago, maybe it was never brought up as a potential thing. And someone just said, you know what, to steer this thing as safely as possible, don't mix these. And it just stuck. Like we, we don't know sort of what the, the rationale was, but it just made me sort of wonder, you know, what had changed. And I think on on the bigger side of this, like it, it, you saw people on Twitter immediately go, sweet, excellent. I wanted this to happen for years. Like great, better late than never. Uh, Vivek, I think that was, those were his exact words to this. Um, it, it is exciting and it's another sort of incentive to create collector score uh, because they're, they've found a way to, to like weave in the collector score parameters to incentivize people and, and to give people more access to these.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's, It's interesting, too. And I will tell you, I I kind of work in this world where I am part of a legal or regulatory team that when we're asked the opinion from the business, they you know what is the rule here are we can we do this is it legal and we present you know starting with the most conservative approach and saying this is how you do it and then the business wants to push right they want to push back and say no we we, we need we'll, we'll generate more income we'll generate more revenue if we allow these extra types of packs to be put in or these extra type of cards these chase cards to be put in the packs and then then it's like all right can you find us an interpretation that passes the straight face test, but that allows us to do it. And it's that, that could be exactly what happened because there hasn't, I mean, that I know of there, there hasn't been any change in the laws. There hasn't been any change in the regulation. There hasn't been any case law on point that would cause a change from external factors. So this really feels to me like kind of a, a liberalization of the interpretation of uh, what they're doing. And do
0: you think that, I mean, obviously, they they made it very clear in the blog post. This is not going to be an every pack thing. This is something they're trying. Um, But I do feel like there's all the reason in the world to keep doing this. Um, And and then what you could potentially do is maybe deke. Because I think a lot of people are upset about the likelihood of them getting a legendary moment from a... A legendary pack drop like I have yet to I've qualified for every priority queue other than one and I have yet to be able to score a legendary pack I've gotten rare packs but no legendaries and I just wonder if this is a way to round off the corners a little bit and provide collector score people collector score maxis Another opportunity to sort of score a really rare legendary moment that they want in their collection and take some of the steam out of those legendary drops because they are, even if you're in a priority queue, the odds are not fantastic for you to score a pack.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I've <laughs> I've never, I, even though I've been in the queues, I've never actually uh, gotten the spot in line where I was able to get one of those legendaries. So I, I I understand the pain because I'm right there with you. And I think you're right. You know, I, I think when I read that blog post, and I could be wrong, they, they kind of framed it both ways too, Jeremy. They said, you know, will we continue doing this? We don't know. And then at the bottom it said, will you ever go back to just doing a a legendary pack and a rare pack and a common pack? And they said, we don't know. We're going to see how it goes. So it it sounded like they're just kind of completely open. My guess, I I think similar to yours, is that, this isn't going away and it's going to be like this for, forever now because I think this makes it more enticing um, for specifically I mean, the reason why some people think it's I'm never
0: right? going to pass on a common pack drop if I know that there's a chance I'm getting a rare or a legendary where I am Bingo. willing to sit out a common pack drop occasionally I, I tried to do them but if I, if something else is going on like uh, okay you know whatever I missed out on my, my trade tickets for this week it's fine um, versus like oh well you know, the, I could score a rare and I could flip that and then I could get more bulls or I could get toward my Derek, Derek Rose moment with some of the marketplace. Like you, you it, it changes the the view from a collector's perspective and it makes it more engaging. So yeah, I think you're, I think, yeah, I think it's probably going to stay. I think it's going to be this way for a while. And, and this is uh, exciting news and I think a, a good shot in the arm. I mean, I feel like Uh, And I'd love to just zoom out for you from this conversation to say, like, I feel like Top Shot, um, when you look at the combination of the flash challenges, you look at everything that's happened and what that's done to stimulate the marketplace. You know, it is cool to know that all of a sudden, you know, Jared Vanderbilt could go for two hundred dollars and, you know, I have an I can then keep that dapper and then put it into something that I really value. I feel like they've been doing a pretty good job of of structuring things this season what what's your take so far on how series three has gone and um where like what's your sort of defined strategy as a collector at this point for how you're playing the game
1: yeah yeah no i think you're right i think the the kind of regular weekly um three times weekly flash challenges have have really just been a shot in the arm even you know in those kind of even when there's been a um when the signals in the nft world have been bearish it seems like top shot lately has has resisted that and it's kind of uh, um, been a good place to, to to store some of your assets I, I I'm still collecting mostly magic cards as a magic fan um obviously I'll, I'll buy buy f- folks that I think may may be uh, a bottleneck in an upcoming flash challenge but I'm really still despite all the well I'm, even with all the changes, I should say, I'm I'm still collecting the way I want to. You know, getting 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 the guys I want. I have my watch list set up. There's a, you know I'm watching those prices every day. Um, but yeah, I, I I I agree with you. I think they're at this point they're 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 hitting a lot of wins. I should ask you, Jeremy, what do you think about the fact that both USC Strike and and All Day are $50 a pack? <laughs> I wonder. I'm just wondering, and, and obviously there's lots of variables, but. If they're now going to be doing the same pack construct, are the common Top Shot packs also going to be? I don't bucks? think so.
0: I think that's more of a Series One thing than than uh, uh, you know what we should expect in Top Shot. I I like All Day, um, but I'm I'm interested in it. But I think that like from a financial perspective, I'd rather be all in on one of these platforms than spread out uh, across three of them. I decided not to collect the UFC and made that decision. And I think mainly for the reason of, if I think there's any lesson learned from Team Roham, it's that they do not want this to be some gold rush cash grab scenario. And I I think that like, they do not want a $9 pack giving an EV of $1,600 to every single person who's on the platform because they've seen what that can do and that that's not sustainable. So I think there's probably a, a lot of reasons why they're they're structuring it that way. Uh, but I, I've made the decision that I'm going to sort of stay more focused on Top Shot, um, passively involved in all day. Um, but honestly, I'll, I'll probably end up flipping all my all day moments once the marketplace opens and just putting it into Top Shot, to be honest with you. That's probably the plan for me. And I have a multitude of Jared Cooks. So that Jared Cook maxi out there, <laughs> uh, they, come and find me. You know where to find me on Twitter, Twitter. Uh, to get your Jared cook stash. But um, I, I think that what it is doing though, to me is the fact that I'm not collecting UFC tells me that the master plan of making it the currency of fandom is starting to take on. In addition, I'm, I am singularly focused on my team, the Chicago Bulls. I don't give a rip. If I get a rare pack, I'm taking the contents to flip it to get my rare moment for my team. And I think that that's a lot more closely aligned to what they've sort of imagined. There are people that are just basketball fans and love everything and every team. um, But I think it's starting to position itself. The fact that I didn't want to participate in UFC to me was an indication of like they're they're getting to that. This is a fan based product for that sport. And I didn't even want to chase it in UFC. So I don't know Mm -hmm. how you feel about Mm -hmm. these three products, but that's where I'm at.
1: Yeah. In, in understanding that this is purely anecdotal. um, My brother is huge into NFTs at this point. Um, he kind of started at the same time I did. He's also, unlike me, he's a huge UFC fan. I am not a UFC fan. Um, I did buy one pack of UFC though, <laughs> full disclosure. Uh, but I'm kind of like you, Jeremy. I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to be spending a lot of, a lot of time or, or money there. But I talked to my brother about it, knowing how big of a UFC fan he is and how into NFTs he is. And he says not in, he's just like, he, and tried to explain it to me. And again, this is anecdotal. So this is not, might not be the opinion of everybody, but he said, unlike baseball, basketball, and football collectors, he doesn't feel that UFC fans are into collectibles the same way that baseball, football, and basketball it's fans It's not really are. ever
0: been a thing um, and, for them, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Like, I, I can't think – we talked about analogs this whole episode. I can't think – there probably are, but I can't think of any type of UFC cards that are out there or, or that people collect. So I don't know how much uh, truth there is to that, but that, that was kind of from my – perspective I, I talked to the one person i know who likes both ufc and nfts and he said he was out on on ufc strike so we'll, we'll have yeah, to yeah
0: it's interesting i i think the bigger question that i have is why aren't the guts of these projects why or, or no let me scrap that why aren't the user interfaces for these projects mirrored i that is the part that i'm wondering even the queue structure doesn't function the same from top shot to all day in that i think that's really odd. Even the way that the packs open different, uh, is different in All Day, and I'm just wondering why you'd want separate structures to how that works across your your company. I don't know; it's weird.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I noticed it too. It's 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 different. Queue providers. Um, the company that provides the queue looks like it's different between Top Shot and All Day, and. The, I was wondering the same thing, and I, I guess it could just be that kind of while all three of those platforms are in beta, why not try a different one with each one, figure out what the best one is, and then kind of merge everything later? I don't know. It's pure conjecture, but I noticed the same thing. It feels different. All three um, all three experiences feel a little bit different. Yeah,
0: it's strange. Uh, listen, Rob, always a pleasure. Looking forward to meeting you in person here coming up in uh, a short yes. period of time for Bulls Timberwolves <laughs> nine days away can't wait for that and uh, always a pleasure to have you on and thanks for sharing your knowledge with the audience um can you just drop social if people want to learn more or ask you more specific pointed uh legal questions about nfts where can they reach you
1: yeah absolutely my, my twitter handle is at atlas shrugged 80 and you'll get a lot of uh orlando magic tweets if and
0: uh so cowboy right? sadness both and cowboy i wasn't going to bring it up yes, yes. uh but i just couldn't help myself yeah. So let's just have a moment. Of, thanks, moment of Jeremy. I appreciate the you. Cowboys season. <laughs> yeah. Listen, at least you get to the playoffs. <laughs> like the Bears, I don't know. We'll see how that thing goes. It's uh, interesting to see with the new coach and GM. But, Rob, thanks so much for joining, and I'm sure we'll have you on when the next legal reason uh, brings us together. You'll be back, I'm sure. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Take care.